the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, great to be back with you Monday, December 13th, 2021. It's episode 328 of the Anakin Florian podcast. I guess this is the one. This is the most anticipated episode in the history of the program. Ken Flo back from New England. I don't know how cold it was in Manchester, Connecticut. It was absolutely freezing in Las Vegas in the 30s. That's crazy. You know, actually, I think it was significantly warmer, probably twice as warm in Connecticut. I was in Connecticut doing a seminar over at uh, Bushido Jiu-Jitsu in Manchester, Connecticut. Thank you and shout out to those guys. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like in the 70s or something, like low 70s, high 60s. Crazy. About that? But I've, nice. been, I've, been, I've been in Vegas when it gets really cold and it throws you for a loop. It's really cold in the desert over there. Jiu-Jitsu seminar for Ken Flo in New England. We were just talking in our little pre-show meeting there about Andre Muniz, who's absolutely incredible, wins by armbar over Eric Anders as he continues to collect arms in the UFC. We probably won't get that far down the card to the early prelims, if I'm being honest, because there's probably 25 or 30 minutes off the top just on Juliana Pena. Um, But do you know the origins of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu being referred to as the gentle art? Because I know we joke about it, right? But it doesn't at all seem an appropriate nickname for for that type of uh, endeavor at all. Like, yeah. it's not funny anymore, really. Like, what's the origin? Right. You know, um, it, it's supposed to be um, – it, it comes from judo, I believe, Jigaro Kano. And, you know, that was the philosophy was to use the gentle way, the soft way of executing things like throws and, you know, arm bars and things like that. The result of those gentle movements, though, are often very violent and uh, right. crushing. So not so gentle in that way. But in yeah. the application of it, yeah. the idea is, is to be gentle and soft. But sometimes in being gentle and soft, you just happen to choke necks, yeah. break knees, right. break ankles, and break arms and shoulders. Right, so. right. Let me softly choke you to sleep, and when you wake up, <laughs> right. you'll be fine, which is the case. We'll just, like, hold your legs up or something. You know, all of it super fucking gentle. Uh, anyway, I am getting the itch. Pahumpa maybe going to pad out my garage. Let's like, go. what's my wife going to say? Like, because he's offered to pad out my garage with these Dolomer mats and so my wife's you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna mat the garage to take five classes of brazilian jiu-jitsu i mean you know well and then he's gonna he's gonna ruin your smoking station by the way which is you know, <laughs> that's right that's right that's right oh, that's no. john's retreat right there that's children uh, are getting older on. though so uh you know might have to take up drinking alcohol uh because it doesn't smell <laughs> all right well <laughs> Let's get to uh, Juliana Pena. Man, I kind of want to lead with Charlie Olives, though. You yeah. know, I'm, I, I don't want to think like a television producer here. I mean... But let, let's lead with uh, let's lead with Juliana Pena because I think that uh, it's a longer conversation. So the Venezuelan vixen plus six fifty or so uh, turns in one of the biggest upsets in UFC history. She beats Amanda Nunes by rear naked choke in round two. Ken Flo, uh, you're in a bar in New England. You're watching this go down. Uh, talk to me, kid. What What are your thoughts as it's going down, and what were your thoughts on the fight? Uh, pretty bananas. You know, I, I talked about – it's hard, right, because I don't want to take away 
from the win of Pena, which was just one of the more fascinating upsets that I've ever seen. Um, but she used the one thing that she knew she had more of than Nunez, right? And that was toughness. She made it a game of who had more of that, who had more heart, and who had more resiliency, who had more conditioning. And she had that. You, As a fighter, you need to understand what you have and who you are. Um, uh, and you have to understand your weapons very well. A, a tank does very specific things. An F-18 does very specific things. And you can't just use it whenever you want. Uh, and for Nunez, she didn't really understand what made her a tough challenge for Pena, it seemed. Because I don't care who you are. If you're a pro fighter and you get some brawler from a bar that gets up and wants to fight you, you don't sit there and just trade because now you're eliminating all of your skills. And Nunez got emotional and she thought that just because she had more power that she was going to go out there and win, it seemed. And that was just not the case. Pena was too tough uh, and too resilient and had so much heart and conditioning that she just kept putting it on Nunez again and again and again. And every time Nunez tried, she failed and was losing those exchanges and getting hurt. And ultimately, Pena ended up pulling off uh, one of the biggest upsets I'd ever seen. But you saw it coming. It wasn't yeah. that one shot like Matt Serra when he caught George St. Pierre. Sure. And, you know, oh, man, big mistake, big yeah. shot by Sarah. He catches and he wins shortly after. This was repeated car crashes by Nunez again and again, expecting a different result. And right. she wasn't out there to be the more technical fighter. And because of that, she lost. You set it up beautifully for me. You know Juliana Pena is tough. I mean, you know she has heart. She's resilient. She was in shape. She was healthy, which is a big part of this. But when she goes back to the stool after round one, which was largely a dominant round for Amanda Nunes, even though I didn't like some of the smirking from Amanda. I don't know. Body language was different for me for Amanda here than, say, the Felicia Spencer fight. It just seemed like... She maybe did underestimate Juliana Pena and her overall ability, but not a great visual for Pena on the stool after round one. I thought Rick Little and Louise Claudio and those guys did a good job of centering her. But a big part of their messaging, Kenny, even in training camp, has been believe in your skills. Like after this fight, I talked to Louise Claudio, one of Juliana Pena's coaches, her jiu-jitsu coach. And he's like, you got to believe in your skills, you know, believe in your jab, believe in your skills. And uh, she believed in everything and and she uh, she turned the world upside fucking down. I, I will say this. It's interesting you bring this up because, okay, so, so when she went to the ground, she was looking to try to uh, do a sweep from half guard. And apparently it was something they were working on and you could see them keep going to that, keep coming up. And she responded to Rick Little and said, every time I come up, she's going for the guillotine. And he said, don't worry about that. Just stick with what you're doing. She, says, she keeps going for the guillotine. It was almost like this ground thing isn't working. Yeah. And I, again, I didn't hear everything in the corner that night. I don't know what they talked about strategy wise, but I feel like this was her fighter's intuition mm. that took over and said, you know what? Screw right. it. I'm going to go out there and just, I'm going to lead with my toughness. I'm going to lead with my chin. Yeah. And fuck it. This is how I'm going to win this yeah. fight. I'm just, I'm just going to be the tougher woman out there. And it seemed like that's what it worked. That's what worked. And for Nunez doing that, she was rolling the dice and rolling the dice has proven to be the riskiest of games yeah. when it comes yeah. to combat. And for Pena, I thought it was brilliant. I don't know if that was on her herself, you know, of just being right. like, I'm just right. going to go out there and brawl, right. but it worked and it was brilliant. Yeah. 
And when you said lead with her toughness, honestly, it gave me chills. So as far as Amanda Nunes is concerned, and nobody's trying to take away from Juliana Pena, but when the consensus greatest of all time goes down, oftentimes there are more roads in terms of talking points for Amanda Nunes. She has been sort of the poster child for coachability right, in mixed martial arts, right? When you talk to Dean Thomas and Conan Silvera, and Dean Thomas used to prepare films for her, and she would ingest all of them. And, you know, when when she beats Felicia Spencer, 50 to 40, Kenny, we're talking about her strategy and her trying to force a mistake. And because Felicia didn't make an obvious one, you know, it was risk mitigation. And, and Amanda Nunes probably could have taken more risks in the Spencer fight, but she didn't. And then Compared to this effort, you know, it's just very interesting. And there's so many different layers. There's the motherhood angle and, uh, you know, there are different types of of cardiovascular strength. You know, sometimes we see Nunes at 134 and a half pounds on the scale and we're like, wow. And maybe it's just like, well, she made the number, but she's not necessarily in the shape she was in for the Durandamy fight. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, Um, I think that it's very difficult when you are the champion uh, and you've been dominant through, you know, the latter part of your career because you believe that you're you're invincible. And, and you know what? Skills-wise, she is head and shoulders above everybody else. But as we know, skills don't always win fights. Uh, your heart is going to be tested oftentimes, and you have to be able to keep your composure. And I felt like her composure was kind of thrown out the window there. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a tough lesson for her. I, you know, I don't know what her mental state was uh, heading into this fight. Right. Uh, But it it, it can be easy when you have a lot of people around you, or maybe it's because your own beliefs that you think you're going to have that belt for, for a long time. But the reality is there's a lot of hungry people out there. And Pena is is not someone to be underestimated. She's going to be in your face trying to win that fight every second. Nunez has to be methodical in making 135 pounds, and I'm very curious if she's going to want to turn around in four to six months and have this immediate rematch or if she's going to want to take some time off. Uh, But when we get to Charles Oliveira, you're going to hear me talk about just his presence in a fight and how there he is, despite the fact that they won't let him wear his glasses in there, you know, and I don't know. I just don't know that Nunez was that on this night. And certainly sometimes fighters talk about just waking up and just not feeling right and Maybe there were a few things she sort of intimated in training that they were trying to get her to get that maybe she wasn't getting. Um, mm. But I don't know. I mean, it, it, she doesn't seem so attached to the result. And obviously she's had several seven-figure paydays, presumably, right? She has realized more financial freedom than she ever thought possible. She's never been happier as an individual. She loves motherhood. You can tell she's the favorite mother. I love you, Nina, but you can tell that the the daughter gravitates towards Amanda. Uh, I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, But, you know, she seems to have everything. And gosh, like, I mean, juxtaposed against Dustin Poirier, Ken Flo, she didn't seem very upset you know, sort of walking back into her mm. new life as defeated champion. Yeah, listen, I, I think that that could be telling. And I, I kind of saw that same thing. Uh, maybe it's because I am extremely hard on myself that I thought that was a little bit odd. However, uh, uh, everyone everyone deals with things differently. But, I, yeah, I don't know if that's a good sign. I, 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 I've probably used this quote before and references before, but, uh, you know, in, in the movie Batman with, with Bane, uh, when he – told Batman that uh, victory has defeated him and many times that could be the case when you're no longer when you no longer have that hunger and when you've had an easy time beating everybody um, it's those it's that 
comfort. It's that very same comfort that can actually lead to your demise. And you have to have that, you know, chip on your shoulder in a lot of ways. You have to have that fear that that person across from you is going to hurt you and yeah. take everything that you have. But if you have millions of dollars and you got a comfy bed and you got all right. those things right. back home, then you know that you're going to be safe right. no matter what. That right. The result's always going to be right. fine for you. So, yeah, that that's she's uh, like not taking anything I got. You know, it's like yeah, I still right. have, you know, probably six million bucks. I don't know how much money, but we still got a whole lot of money, right? Um, we still got a featherweight championship. Still got an immediate rematch if we want. Yeah. But man, tough night for American top team all around and a huge night for Juliana Pena and for Rick Little and Sick Jitsu and, and Michael Chiesa and everybody to realize a UFC championship. This is big stuff. You know, I wish I could name all the coaches, but Wayne Gregory and obviously my guy Luis Claudio gives me all this jujitsu gear, all these rash guards. It's like LCCT, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Uh, there's your plug, but I don't know what you want me to do. I put, put a rash guard on to go run on uh, the treadmill. <clears throat> Maybe. I got Ken. I had a Ken Flo, Team Florian Rashgar back in the day, but we congratulate Juliana Pena. And I think the good news for the UFC, um, even though that whole Kayla Harrison situation maybe blows up a little bit, at least in terms of the uh, immediate future, PFL guy Ken Flo is like, oh, maybe we get her back now, right? <laughs> but in terms of Juliana Pena, she's going to be an active champion, I would think. And there are a lot of different possible rematches out there for her against uh, Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes. Jermaine Durandamy is not in the rankings, so I don't know what's going on there. I guess there were some comments uh, that were out there not all that long ago. I mean, Irene Aldana, Holly Holm, Ketlin Vieta, all of these women are on a winning streak. But we are going to center our conversation, obviously, on Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko. And maybe it's not so obvious because I'm the one who injected Shevchenko's name into all of this on social media. And some people perhaps think I should not have. I guess I don't want divisions being held up, right? And certainly Tyler Santos, I guess, is the most worthy flyweight title challenger right now for Valentina Shevchenko, maybe, right? But Valentina Shevchenko has deserved to be in this goat conversation for such a long time, in my opinion, as a mixed martial artist dating to three years old, right? She's been mixing all this stuff together. Like if ever there were an athlete other than a Usman going up to fight his friend at 85 that deserved to have this type of double champ distinction for whatever it means, it's Valentina Shevchenko who would probably be a three to one favorite to beat Juliana Pena in a rematch uh, of a main event several years ago. So um, what do you think is going to happen? I know you have no idea what Nunes is going to do, but what do you think is going to happen as far as Juliana Pena's first title defense is concerned? I think that's a great point. I, I think that, Nunez is going to want this rematch, and I think she's going to want it sooner than later. I think I would think, right? Because I don't know. I, I mean, and I think for the UFC, I think it's she's more valuable as champion right now, and I think that a lot of people are going to be very intrigued to see this fight. If we go back in time, and that's not always an indicator of what's going to happen in the future, but. Um, you know, when you had a champion like Ronda Rousey, they were looking to get her back in there as soon as possible, for right. better or worse. Uh, and uh, perhaps Nunes isn't as big of a star, but with everything that she's accomplished, I think they're going to try to get her right back in there. I think for Pena, it's um, financially smart to do that as well. Uh, and I, I think that would be a huge fight. I think it'd be a much, much bigger fight than this one. Yeah. There were some rumblings on the ground about a possible return to Brazil 
Rio de Janeiro as soon as May of 2022. I asked Charles about that in the fighter meeting. Cody brings it up in our side room chat here. I mean, that would be interesting, right? Juliana Pena probably trying to lay something foundationally to make sure title defense number one is not against Nunes in the actual jungle. But yes, I would certainly be behind an immediate rematch. And that's obviously, I think, what is the most likely. I think it's the most deserving. Uh, obviously, I don't have to sit here and talk about Amanda Nunez's worthiness as the greatest of all time for this immediate rematch, right? But if she does not have an appetite to get back in there um, by, say, June or latest International Fight Week, July of next year, uh, I think that they're going to want to move on. And I think Juliana Pena is going to want to move on. So uh, very interesting things. Uh, and that's an upset, obviously, that we're, we're going to be talking about for some time. Let us get to Charles Dubronx Oliveira. And uh, when he won the title, or excuse me, when he defended the title, I said, uh, you know, doubt him now. Doubt him now. Like, doubt him now, right? And maybe that's too much sort of editorialization by me as far as a championship call is concerned. But I got sick of the Charles Oliveira naysayers, man. You know, this dude is an absolute warrior. When he filled out his UFC bio as a 20-year-old, Kenny, you know what he listed as his strength? Heart, right? So everybody's been questioning his ticker the whole time, and I just haven't necessarily seen that quitter, right? Like, even in this fight, there was one time when Dustin, I think, landed a right hook that dropped Charles, right? Or it didn't drop him, but he went to the ground because he knew in that moment he needed to kind of recover. I feel like we've been like misinterpreting a lot of his body language for years, you know, certainly in the Felder fight, you know, people suggest, no, man, like he he wasn't going to win that fight, right? That was the beginning of the end. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I'm just so happy to see him get a win like this. Had to walk through hell to do it. He knew he was going to have to walk through some stuff, but oh man, the front kicks attacking the body. Charles Oliveira is the fucking man. I hope he gets a chance to defend the belt in Brazil. Um, but you want to talk about like the perfect first title defense to prove to the world that you're the dude and the undisputed champion. That's what that was for me Saturday night. No question about it. I, I think that, you know, if you go back and you look at what was his record between, I don't know, 2000, I, I, I forget it was like 2000, maybe 14 to 2017, something like that. 2013, to 2017, he had right. like a 10 and eight record. Right. right. Um, and then after that, he's, you know, gone 10 and oh. Um, so, you know, you look at some of those results and you're gosh, you know, the Cub Swanson fight where, you know, maybe gets hurt in the body and those things. I, I think that's kind of what led to that because he's made it look so easy. He hasn't had any challenges. He's racked up submission after submission over the last few years. Um, and, you know, certainly didn't have the level of competition that Dustin Poirier did. Um, mm -hmm. But he went out there and proved that not only is he highly skilled, but he does have the heart. And I think it's something to be said for maturation and experience. You look at all the experience that he's accrued. Uh, it's a wonderful blueprint for other fighters to look and say you know what take your fucking time get the right fights wait till you are able to go out and use those skills because it's one thing to be the guy in the gym who has all these skills or to be super technical but going out and doing it in a fight is something completely different right. okay when you're talking about pressure and the other dude across from you and all the chaos and all the crap that can happen in between yeah. a fight and on fight night so now all of that has come together and boy, has it come together at the right time for Charles Oliveira. He just looked phenomenal. And for anyone who's going to question his heart at this time, 
uh, you'd be wrong, completely wrong. He ate some huge shots from Dustin Poirier, came back, uh, really just proved to be the more technical fighter and proved that he can take a shot and come back. His resiliency was on point. His skills were on point. The way he puts it all together is something to behold. He's a phenomenal champion and, and just really happy for the guy. Uh, what a fight. What a win, man. In terms of his heart, Anthony Smith sort of said on the post show that he has struggled with adversity in the past. And I think that's sort of a gentler way to put it. You know, I feel like in a lot of respects, part of his struggles were just that he was in the wrong weight class, you know, seven and four at 145 pounds and maybe at times just ill-equipped to take a body shot. And I don't know, you know, he was, he was sort of uh, labeled as a fragile guy at times and I'm just very happy to see him break through, find the right weight class. He goes seven and four, 45 now, 11, one, 11 and one, excuse me, at 155 pounds. As far as Dustin Poirier is concerned, he said he was not supposed to brawl and he sort of engaged in Charles's type of fight. You know, I think we all knew there was a decided grappling and wrestling advantage for Charles Oliveira. Uh, and maybe the striking on the feet was closer than we thought. Um, but what did you make of Poirier's performance in defeat? You know, I, I thought that he did a good job in round one. I thought his left hand uh, was scoring repeatedly. Um, he made a couple critical mistakes, and both of them happened during the grappling exchanges. One, one happened while he was in that omoplata, which is that shoulder lock with the legs of Oliveira. Now, Oliveira did grab that glove. There was two incidents where he had it for a couple seconds. He grabbed the inside of the glove, which is illegal. Um hard to see in the moment, yep. whatever, uh, that wasn't the indicator. Even if you're grabbing the inside of the glove, Dustin Poirier's posture was just not good. You cannot, you cannot be in that posture. And there was nothing that was preventing him from getting up. All you got to do, get your hips underneath your head, get your posture back and turn and face. And he did not do that. He ended up rolling out for some reason the, the you know, and then that led to Oliveira getting on top and just, uh, really dominating round two. Round three, instead of fighting, instead of fighting the choke and not allowing that arm to get underneath the neck, he starts fighting hands. And he did this against Habib as well. And it, you'd think he'd, he'd learn from this. Um, and again, Poirier, an amazing fighter. So I'm just, I'm just stating facts as a right. jiu-jitsu mixed martial artist sure. from the outside in. That was a huge error. You cannot do that. If someone's trying to get through the door, you don't start closing all the windows, right? right you address right. the fucking door that's in front of you. Right. And this is what's going to choke him. Who cares about the hands? If that's right. underneath the neck, you got to right. address that choke. And he didn't do it. And this, again, he did it again uh, from the Habib fight. So it's a, it's unfortunate he didn't learn from that. Uh, again, probably was going to go on to lose that round or ultimately get right. choked out right. anyway. But that was the determining factor in, in him getting submitted and of course, you have a, a phenom when it comes to the submission game in Charles Oliveira. So I don't well, want right. to take away from him, but there was a mistake made, and I have to point that out. Is some of the posturing issue just have to do with the the fear of everything that Charles can do? That if you do this, then X happens. And great you know? question. Great question. If he turned in face, a lot of times the threat is of that triangle. And with Oliveira's long legs, perhaps yeah. that he was thinking, hey, if I turn in face and get posture, maybe he'll shoot that triangle and combo off of that, which is yeah. a common um, double attack from that move. But regardless, it, the posture is going to take care of the triangle as well. And 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 again, it, it's it's a tough one. Um, you know, it, it's it's real easy for me to say it from from the outside looking in. Yeah. I, I don't know what he was feeling, but that's just um, you know. 
having watched a, a lot of jitsu at MMA over the years, I, I, I saw that as a, a critical point in that round. Um, and, you know, again, it's a, a huge credit to Oliveira for attacking that um, and identifying that mistake and taking full advantage of it. Uh, Oliveira is just phenomenal. Had almost six minutes of ground control time, or control time, I should say, despite being 0 for 6 on takedowns, which is uh, is pretty incredible. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see him now moving forward against Justin Gaethje. I really hope he gets to defend this belt in Brazil because there's just so- something so special about that atmosphere. And obviously, we have not been there in a while. So I don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, you got a quick handicap for us on Charles Oliveira and Gaethje. Certainly, the Oof. champion's going to be the favorite. Um but a fascinating stylistic clash. And you can be sure Gaethje's in full-fledged training camp mode like right now. He's working. so It, it sure is. And again, I see this being a similar fight uh, you know, to this one with, with Dustin Poirier, with you know, Gaethje having that very similar uh, attitude of surviving and persevering and leading with his heart. And I, I think the difference for me is Oliveira can't take those same shots that he took against Poirier if he takes you know two or three of those crosses that he took uh in against Poirier against Gaethje it might be lights out completely Gaethje just hits harder than than Poirier right right in my opinion however Gaethje doesn't have half of the grappling that Poirier has so may, maybe on the wrestling side uh so Oliveira still can expose that grappling weakness of Gaethje uh so as far as uh you know how I see that I think Oliveira would probably come out as a slight favorite, I, I think. Yeah. But. So Oliveira about a two-to-one favorite, minus 190 okay. or so. Justin Gaethje plus 165 or so. But, you know, as far as Poirier is concerned and his future, you know, I think some people kind of minimize the fact that he had three big fights inside of a calendar year because the Conor McGregor fights were short, even though the training camps were long. Dominic Cruz in 2016, I talked about it a lot, felt like it was just biting off more than he could chew, going Dillashaw in January, Faber in July, and then Cody Garbrandt in December of 2016, I believe it was. And so I asked Dustin about that in our fighter meeting, and it was the shortest answer he's given me in like 20 fighter meetings, you know? He was like, I'm grateful for 2021, but John, after this, I need a vacation. And it was telling, you know, it's like you can only ask so much of yourself athletically. And I'm going to trot out that same line when we get to Cody Garbrandt here in a little bit. And I just think for Dustin Poirier, you know, Charles has been off since May and there's an emotional and a mental and a physical toll that comes with those McGregor fights. And I just think that it was asking a lot for Dustin Poirier as a minus 165 favorite uh, to win again. You were on top of this probably months ago when you were talking about this fight. When this fight was first announced, you talked about this very factor and I, I think you're pretty on point you know what people don't consider everyone looks at the fight but you know no one's looking at Dustin Poirier training every damn day you know uh and, and grinding that that takes a toll on you physically but I would I would go even further not only is it those factors but also it's hard to do a lot of skill development during that time right, when right. you are prepping for a fight very specific fight you're not necessarily working on a lot of new things and adding to the arsenal. You're 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 honing in, you're sharpening, you're you're kind of utilizing your current skills to get ready for a specific opponent. So um not only that, think about how many sparring rounds you're doing to prepare for that five-round fight. You know, yeah, maybe Poirier's 
fights against Connor didn't go the full 25 minutes, but he's yeah. preparing like he's going to. And a lot of times that those training camps for five round fights are absolutely brutal. brutal. That's what brutal. another factor, what makes it being so difficult to hold on to that belt. Your every fight is a five rounder and right. you're preparing every single time for a five round brutal war. You would think that Poirier's training camp for Khabib Nurmagomedov would have helped him more than it did in this fight. You know, when we ask him about how a training camp for Charles Oliveira differs compared to his training camp for Conor McGregor, he says that obviously it's a lot more groundwork and a lot more grappling, but a lot of what he does with Mike Brown um, sort of instructing is starting in bad positions and getting out of them. And I do know that there are other coaches, and I'm not going to name names, but they approach a challenge like Charles Oliveira differently. They don't spend their whole training camp in bad positions. They maybe make it a really boring fight because they try to avoid a lot of contact with that man at all costs, right? Um, the great Ray Longo is joining us, and as he centers up the camera, Kenny, I don't know, like if you're preparing to fight Charles Oliveira, I guess it's different because of your jiu-jitsu acumen. But if you were preparing Dustin Poirier to fight someone like Charles Oliveira and his skill set, um, I don't know. I guess he's so well-rounded now, it might not matter. Longo coming in with a lot of extracurricular today, huh? What the fuck is going on over there? <laughs> wait, I, wait, I can barely hear you. I'll, try, I'll raise my voice then. What the uh, fuck? Now, now, let me try logging in again. This is All right, get a, him out. This is scintillating audio. It's even better video. <laughs> Kenny, I don't know, right? I mean, obviously, you got to spend some time training in bad positions. But if you're, if you're preparing for someone like Charles, if you're, if you're Trevor Whitman and Gaethje, um, you know, how, how, do you, how do you prepare? Well, listen, Ga Gaethje doesn't want to be on his back or have Oliveira on his back at any point during this fight. If that happens, the fight will be over. Oliveira is significantly better on the ground than Justin Gaethje, period. Uh, where, where Gaethje needs to get it done is with his counter-wrestling, and that's typically the way he prepares. He doesn't, in my understanding, and, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn, is he doesn't spend a whole lot of time preparing on the ground. It's more wrestling to stop it from going to the ground and then him taking your fucking head off. That's what he yeah. prepares yeah. for, and he does extremely well. There's just this this Damian Maya-like danger with Charles Oliveira, and it's even more dangerous because he's so strong, you know? Right. I mean, Maya was undersized as a middleweight when he started his career, just destroying everybody. But it's like with Charles, man, it just feels like there's just imminent danger around every corner when you guys are touching in any position, whether he's on the bottom, whether he's on top, he's on your back in the clinch. It's like, get away from this guy. John, I, I think it's a great point. I also think that when you're so good everywhere, it tends to compound everything where it's like, I don't give a shit where this fight goes. I'm so damn good in the clinch. Yeah, I'm good yeah. at long range. I'm good on the ground. Where yeah. do you want it? Because I'll go there and I'll well, right. beat you. Right. Right. That's like, and he's yeah. like, and you know what? I can't even see. Right. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> he I'm can't like, see. Rock. Exactly. Yeah. It's like Roxanne Mataferi <laughs> out there, you know, gives the corner man the glasses right before he goes into the octagon. You know, <laughs> it's incredible. I know Billy Corantello just had that PRK procedure and, uh, you know, we bring it up in fun. You know, a fan took his glasses. It's like more valuable to the guy than his belt. Right. You can see how blind he is, though. Somebody took his glasses. He's like, no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> Completely lost without those things. You know, like when I take my lenses out too early and I can't find my glasses. I'm absolutely screwed. All right, so Ken Flo, I'm on my flight to Vegas, sitting in my seat, minding my own business. All of a sudden, I get an airdrop. You ever get one of these randomly? Got to say, it kind of scared me a little bit that someone could just drop like weird pics on my phone. Um, got me thinking, what happens when I leave my Wi-Fi on uh, when I'm doing all this traveling? 
maybe I'm just screwed overall when it comes to keeping my stuff safe. No, that's not the case. I sleep easy now knowing you and I got connected safe from hackers and privately, I might add, with NordVPN. Not only am I protected, but sometimes the sites I use for maybe some wagering advice restricted in certain states or countries, but not when I'm using NordVPN, full control of my location. So the internet is always open and safe for me. And I know you can, Anakin Florian podcast fans know what I'm talking about when it comes to keeping your internet activity safe and secure. We're not going to snitch on you. It's almost Christmas, Christmas time. NordVPN going to give you up to 73% off plus a free bonus gift. If you go to nordvpn.com slash AFPod or use the promo code AFPod when you sign up, that's almost three quarters off the price of a subscription or what a cup of Dunkin' coffee will cost you. 30-day money-back guarantee if NordVPN is not for you. So there's no risk. And of course, you're helping the show as well. So we appreciate that. And we want to keep all this content free for you for the rest of your lives. So head on over to nordvpn.com slash AFPod. That is nordvpn.com slash AFPod. For more information or hit up our social media channels and click through the links for that December deal. 73% off today and keep your data safe. nordvpn.com slash AFPod. All right. Let's get to uh, some more fights here as we wait on Ray Longo. Um, oh, I'm being told Ray's getting on Steve Lee's computer. So I wonder if the masses listening or watching right now want me to like go at him for all of this technical stuff today or if they just want me to optimize time and talk about the fights. Shows up late. Can't connect. Guy's got some things to work on for 2022. Um, so in terms of Dustin Poirier, we know he needs a vacation, obviously, Ken Flo. Uh, but obviously there are a ton of matchups. I mean, I think this is a particularly bitter pill to swallow because he's had two shots at the undisputed title late 2019, late 2021. So despite the two wins over Conor McGregor, right, this guy really cares about the ultimate prize, you know, and he's going to need at least one more win to get back there. Some people think the Chandler fight has legs. Um, I don't think you see Dustin until International Fight Week, you know, next year at the earliest. But uh, anything in terms of a matchup that maybe you would like to see as he builds back? Jeez, you know, uh, I think there's no shortage there. Seeing his post-fight press conference uh, was heartbreaking as a, as a guy who has failed winning the belt a, a few times. Um, you, you know, having worked so hard and not achieving it, it, it really was tough to see that that uh, press conference. But, you know, the good thing is that he's a fan favorite. He still has a rematch, a rematch with, with Conor McGregor, perhaps. I, I, anytime right, he wants right. it, I'm sure Conor right. would take that. That's a big fight for him. That actually makes a lot of sense right now. Yep. Maybe maybe Nate Diaz, uh, Nate Diaz and him have gone back and forth as well uh, a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe 155, maybe even 170. I, I think there's no shortage yeah. of opponents for him. Right. And I, I still think he's he's in a good spot. I think he'll stay at 55 and try to make one more concerted effort at the belt. And yeah, now all of a sudden the Connor fight makes a lot of sense. All right, we are now joined by a man who has had a haircut since you have last seen him. Uh, Steve Lee to the rescue. He's all centered up. It's the Ray Longo Minute uh, presented by... What's it presented by today? By one more sleep merchandise or pod boy shirt? <laughs> you like that? You like you that? Notice, huh? Oh, we're going down this rabbit hole, huh? Say it. No, I'm no nothing. Um, thanks for being late. How's your technical? Uh, how's your how's your connection? <laughs> oh, my connection's good. How come you didn't say the chicken pound? I don't understand what that means. The chicken unbelievable, pound. man. Cody, no. I got to talk to Cody. What's wrong with the chicken pound? Ask Ray about his chickens. I'm supposed to ask you about your chickens. Wow, unbelievable! What a company. What? The chicken pound sponsoring me with all the chicken I could eat. Really, really good stuff. We'll get to it later though, because I got to tell you, and I'm not I'm not discounting the chicken pound because. They're getting a lot of love right now, but uh, wow, 
What uh, a what a fight! Oh my god! I mean, I'm fucking out of my. I don't even know where to start. You know, the guys I feel bad for are the great fights that were like one, two, three, and four because no one's even going to remember them by the end of the night. Like people are bringing yeah. up fights, and I'm like, I, I I forgot all about it already. You know, so uh, what a great card, man! Holy, you're God. right, right. Like yeah. we won't get to Bruno Silva or Ty Tuivasa. It's going to be. Hard for us to get to Josh Emmett. Uh, we'll certainly yeah, give another great fight before we get out of there. Uh, but, but let us, uh, I just want to quickly get your thoughts on, on the stuff at the top of the card and then we'll try to uh, efficiently move down the rest of it. Yeah. What, what were you, what was going through your mind as Juliana Pena beats Amanda Nunes there in round two as that situation was developing? Yeah, look, it was, uh, look, I did a, I did the uh, UFC watch party with Matt Serra at my house. So, I mean, I had a guy who could, oh, really wow. Read. Who exactly? Yeah, cameras at your house. Cameras at my house. What yeah. do the daughters think about their superstar father having? Nah, they hid in the bed. They hid in the bedroom. They don't. But they were, they, they, were oh, they were at home. They were. They were at home. They wanted. Oh know. yeah, texting their friends. Yeah, my superstar dad, who has all his own merchandise now, has a camera crew. And I don't have any merchandise. I don't have any. Oh, look at that! Are you hey. kidding? So you have a camera crew in your living room for UFC 269. Do you have an autograph session outside your house afterwards? Is everybody losing? <laughs> no, but we'll get there, buddy. All right, so watch party at your house as yeah, you so were watch party. So, I mean, I'm watching it with Matt Sir, which obviously probably still to this day is the biggest, you know, upset in UFC history. But this one was pretty close, man. So uh, hats off to Juliet. It was, it was crazy, you know. And uh, I got to tell you, I went to uh, Dylan Montello. Shout out to Dylan and his uh, lovely bride, Samantha. We were all at the wedding the night before. So this was I was pretty banged up for this whole weekend, but uh, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> Kenny. What I do, I hey. But uh, you know, one of the other coaches here, Eric Kaya, was telling me he's good friends with uh, Wayne Gregory and that he did a great job on her boxing. And I'm not yeah. saying the boxing was you know on point, but she was tough enough to stand in the pocket, take a couple, give a couple, and I think that was the difference in the fight. Right. I mean, she didn't she wasn't backing down. And I think, you know, uh, uh, Nunes was the more technical fighter, but toughness and heart and determination goes to Pena. She was willing to throw. She was willing to take one to give one. And I think that broke down Amanda Nunes that she couldn't bully her around. And then uh, once she got taken down that last time, I mean, I don't even think. Juliana knew she won the fight because I don't even think the choke was in. She, I, after the fight, if you looked, I mean, that's what I saw anyway. Was I go? Why no, is she not yeah. jumping around? Like, why is she I not think, going crazy? Because she like, wasn't as emotionally attached to. I wasn't as hungry. She's not as attached to the result as uh, you know. I mean, I, I guess I don't know. Well, she didn't think she had that choking, and I don't know what they were doing. I don't, I'm not a fighter. I don't know. But when your tank's on empty and and you're not in desperation mode, uh, you know. I don't yeah. know. Uh, so, so that was a crazy, crazy time. But you kind of saw that unfolding, I think, with the exchanges is what I'm saying, is that there was – she didn't look like she was – she took some big shots and she wasn't budging. So I think that was that was step one to go, wow, this looks, looks like it's got the makings of an upset right here. Do you believe that Amanda Nunes and Dustin Poirier were both uncharacteristically undisciplined on this night? Poirier was self-critical for brawling early. Or, or do you not believe that to be the case? Well, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. So I think uh, Amanda will be more technical. You know, she she ended up giving Juliana exactly what she wanted, which was a brawl, a PS6 brawl. 
And she's going to go back and definitely try to correct that for sure. You know, it was similar. Look, when Matt fought GSP, nobody thought Matt could throw his hands. And Matt was one thing he had, man, he had a really, really hard right hand. And he had the willingness to sit in the pocket and mm -hmm. get hit and fire back, period. And I think at that point, nobody really knew that except for us. And I knew if GSP, you know, I think GSP thought that fight was going to go to the floor, Kenny. And Matt had no intentions of ever going to the floor in that fight. So I think that was kind of similar that, you know, this girl, you know, that's, that's why I say when GSP came out with a game plan the second time, he had to rethink everything and he kind of got into – you know, maybe a brawl with Matt, which was benefit beneficial to him. And I think right. Juliana will, I mean, um, I think Amanda will do the same thing. She definitely got into a brawl. She wasn't ready for it. I think she tanked out when she couldn't get rid of us. She's dropped a lot of people. And that's also psychologically, you know, uh, undermining to oneself when you're hitting a person with your best shots and they're not going anywhere. Right. right. And you're starting to go, you know, you're looking up at the clock and you got three, four rounds to go. That could get to you a little bit. And I think that's what happened. You know, she, Juliana got the fight that she wanted. That's who she is. She just steps in and throws. I'm saying, like, again, wasn't the most technical strike. And she was pulling her arms back. She was a little off balance. But the willingness to trade to get what she wanted was 100% on. Yeah. And Ray, I, I would say the difference also, you know, with Matt, both it's a credit to his power. Um, and the fact that it just went down that way, he landed just a couple shots and it was pretty much over shortly thereafter. But Nunez was repeatedly exchanging for yeah, minutes, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't like you know, oh, she got caught with a big shot and then you know, got finished off. She was sitting there trading again yes. and again and again, expecting a different result, and that's just not her style of fight. So, no, but but I, but in the I, past, I, I, yeah. But Penny, in the past, though, when she hit, like, Cyborg and she hit some other people, right. they went to sleep. Right. You know, sure. and then you so look, your ego gets involved. What's the first thing? Somebody punches you. What do you do? Oh, I'm going to start jabbing? No, you want right. to kill them right away. Right. You know, right. You, no, you that's why emotions took over. No question. 100%. It was an emotional fight that worked to her disadvantage. That's the end of the story. Yeah. You know what I mean, that to me, anyway. Yeah, so, Pier 6 brawl, right? Pier 6, six brawl. For the rest, so it was entertaining as hell. But, you know, I'm sure her coaches aren't happy, with, you know, on that, you know. Uh, and, wait, let me just say another thing. Juliana's jab really, oh, I yeah. think, you know, there was a reach. That was the other thing. Her jab was getting there before uh, Amanda's was, too. I think she was out yep. jabbing her, and that set up everything. Yeah, Wayne Gregory boxing, baby. Yeah. Pier 6 Brawlers print the shirts. By the way, so we're redesigning the Ray Longo fight. No, team no, gotta... Is that what I hear? So it says Team Sarah Longo. Right. Yeah, this yeah. is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I had nothing to do with this. And I wore the Ray Longo fight team sweatshirt and uh, I did some media in the Ray Longo fight team sweatshirt. And I know obviously you're seeing your guys are wearing it and obviously, yeah. you know, somebody's upset. So, so they're yeah, being the reprinted. The so yeah. now I have the special edition Ray Longo fight team. So here two, four is going to say Sarah Longo fight team. If yeah. you're interested right. in that gear, Matt also hosts a podcast. It's called UFC unfiltered. And you can go fucking listen. <laughs> you know, I tell you, Kenny, I don't even know what's going on. I, I, you know, it's almost like DC and Cruz. I think this should be handled, yeah, <laughs> instead of in, yeah. in public. Like, what is going on? Anyway, <laughs> wait. First, I love that church. I love that one. Oh yeah, Pod this Boys. Is, it's great. It's great. That's a great. That's great. Man. Before I wear it the next time. Hey, how? Hey, but how about how about Dominic yeah. fucking Cruz? Uh, let me tell you something, you know, man. I want to. I want to send out a huge. 
apology to Cruz because I've been busting his balls a little bit with the Peterson thing. But, you know, I love this. Huh. The guy's a born fighter. I a mean, man. and he proved it. What he this is what I love about the guy, because this is where his stubbornness really pays off because he don't want to go out like that again. So he really did come back and I can't, he's a natural born fighter, this guy. And he, what a great performance coming back from the adversity that we kind of, I was at least making jokes about, you know, only because for whatever reason, I don't know, but I have no, a sincere apology. He proved, let's he proved everybody wrong. Yeah, that guy, you know, uh, Herb let the fight go on, and man, he came back and did exactly what he said he would have did in the other fight, and I gotta respect that. At the end of the day, yeah, that guy had a phenomenal fight. Again, I think no one will even remember it because of all the other fights that right. happened. But that's the one thing. Yeah, one thing I've always known about Dominic Cruz, Kenny, is that he can take a beating if he needs to. He reminds me of that all the time in our conversations that he's prepared and willing to take damage. You know, I want to tell a story as quickly as I can. But, you know, the first time I talked to him about striking, it's like he says those are swords on uh, as far as I'm concerned that are coming at my head. Right. So a lot of his stuff obviously is predicated upon defense, which he turns into offense, you know. Um, but it's just fascinating to listen to him talk about the challenge of fighting a Southpaw Casey Kenny, right. And wanting a full Southpaw training camp. And then the enjoyment of going back to fighting a conventional fighter to really let his combinations go. And I don't know, man, he's just so all about this. And, you know, he's not taking television money for four months because he's totally devoted to this result. And, uh, you know, he just got a lot more rounds in this time around, um, than last time. But, you know, the, the whole reason he was discovered by Eric Del Fiero was because Eric was running a promotion and they brought Dom in on short notice to get beat by somebody else. And Dom took an absolute beating in like his second pro fight. Um, but he beat the guy and then he signed with Eric and the rest is history. But he can take damage, took some early and uh, turn things around. Yeah, I think because he's such a technical fighter and because he's got that crazy footwork and he doesn't try to get hit, you forget that that gets all the shine, and rightfully so, because he's a phenomenal martial artist. Um, but he, he does it the right way. He has his heart just in case. If shit goes sideways, he's got his heart to back it up. And if you think, oh, well, he doesn't like to get hit. It, it, he's probably not tough. But if I rock right, him with a good right. shot, that's where I'm going to take. No, wrong. Dominic Cruz will still come at you. Um, he's as tough as nails. And he reminds me, he's like, dude, I'm, I'm from a trailer in Arizona, man. I'm as well, tough right, as right. they come, you know, and he's from a tough town. And, you know, he's this good looking kid. He dresses nice. You think, you know, he's uh -huh. from this nice part of town. He'll wrong. be happy to hear he, you, he you really compliment this fashion. Yeah. He'll be very yeah, happy. So. Ken Flo about his fashion. For, I mean, Ken Flo is like fashion for <laughs> 2008. So. He, yeah, he might right. dress nice, but, but no, it was awesome performance, man. Nice. Munoz is tough. I went to a, a <laughs> an after party in my Ray Longo fight team sweatshirt. That's how fa fashion forward I am. So, you know, and, I, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I tried to uh, wear the John, you know, the Yannick Florian podcast shirt, but they made us wear UFC shirts, so I had to put it over. Yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like right. a, I did try a Ray, Longo, Ray Longo minute mask at the wedding. Yeah. Oh, how funny was that? Hilarious. Shameless self-promotion, man. Yeah. Always in gear now. Yeah. Totally just... different. But uh yeah, hats off to Dom, man. He I, I really love what I saw. And again, he's uh he could he talks the talk and he can walk the walk. And you know, at the end of the day, all you could do is respect that. That's it, period. He he's you know, I always liked him, but this was this was a different this was good. It was like redemption for him, so I know he feels good about yeah. everything and uh and 
<clears throat> I just have to say, you know, I'm not going to get into anything as far as the Daniel Cormier, Dominic Cruz situation is concerned, sure. but in terms of Dom's ability to not let anything else in, he'll create a distraction for himself during fight week because he knows it's not going to be a distraction because he's so mentally forged and physically hardened after everything that he's been through. Um, yes. You know, he's done a lot of work on self, right? I'm not going to get into some of yeah, this. Yeah, stuff, yeah. Uh, he spent over $5,000 in physical therapy, you know? I mean, like the dude yeah, is. No, totally, no, he's, yeah, he no. said, look, what he's gone through too, what that's just to mentally get through that, those injuries and being out for a year, two years, whatever, going back, you know, it, 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 I, I've seen it in here. It, it's, it's a horrible thing to look at. So hats off to him again. Kenny, what'd you make of Sean O'Malley over Howley and Piva? Uh, O'Malley's a damn problem man uh you know yeah here's another guy if you get distracted by the hair and what he says you forget that this dude's dangerous man tall lanky for the division and boy does he know how to use it moves really well man he he's nice he's just nice with the skills it's nothing no other way to say it he's extremely technical he knows how to sit down on his punches when it's time to get power uh and if you are one of those guys who doesn't have superior defense and unbelievable footwork O'Malley's going to get you out of there it, it's kind of that simple or you're going to take a beating in the process O'Malley is a, a phenomenal fighter uh he continues to get better and sharper and here's another guy who is taking the right fights and getting the right experience and building off of that every single time uh which is going to increase his confidence increase his skills he's he's doing a lot right out there and um you know, he's he's going to be a handful for a lot of guys in that division, and he just might be able to fight for the belt and win the belt. Ray, yeah, what do you I got? Mean, look, well, well put, and I think the biggest thing Kenny said in there is that he's had the opportunity to get these growing fights in. You know what I mean? And not definitely he has not been overmatched yet at all. For his, you know, uh, talent pool, which is huge. I mean, the guy really, like, again, he knows how to use his range. He also knows how to stop and sit down on those punches, and that's a long guy to get past, you know. So I think, you know, again, they they afforded him the opportunity to grow the right way, and like Kenny says, that confidence um, is critical. Uh, and look, Marab called for that fight when we were in Moscow. How many years ago was that? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. So they they were going to stay away from him. Now it's it's yeah. an interesting matchup. You know, Marab just wants to yeah. fight. He wants to fight the best guys. It's not a uh, a personal thing, but that's not an easy fight for anybody, man. I mean, I'm O'Malley, telling you, man, a hundred percent tough, but you know, to have a, uh, you know, to have yes. a pistol hanging on your leg for, for 15 to 25 minutes is no picnic. Either. Yeah. No, I think most of these guys just see a Rob Dwalish Willie in the bracket are just like, Oh man, you know, um, name but like, again, again, not, no mention, no mention of his name for matchups with anybody. You know, you go to those fights to make or whatever. I just, I'm just curious to see if anybody picks. I think guy's ranked. What is he ranked? Five or six? No, yeah, no, and I think a lot no of the elite them. guys are strikers and their managers would try to avoid that matchup en route to the title, right? I mean, do you think Sean O'Malley's ready for Corey Sandhagen? Oh, you're right. Oh, you're asking me? Yeah, uh, just as an example. I mean, Sandhagen's coming off a loss. He's number three in the world, you know? I mean... What do you think is a more dangerous fight for O'Malley, Sandhagen or Dwalish Willie? Right? I mean, eventually Marab's going to get his fight. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
the notion that Sean O'Malley is not elite. I mean, Kyler Phillips is really right. fucking good. He was number 14 in the world when he fought Howley and Piva. They go toe-to-toe, could have gone either way, majority decision, you know, and then O'Malley fights the guy, even more entrenched in the Bantamweight division. And, you know, so O'Malley's no, a top 10 Bantamweight for me. Uh, Very good. Uh, I agree know. 100%. And he could fight probably anybody. Would it be too soon? Yeah, there's a, you know, look, if you have the opportunity, because the UFC is tough. It's not like boxing where you could have, 25 fights without really getting super tested and build yeah. your record up. It's hard in the UFC, man. These fights, some of these guys that come in, that's why I say, I tell my guys, when you get in there, you want to rush it, but you're, you're stupid. Because right? when you get in there, there's no looking back. You're not going to be able to pick your opponents. You're going to get thrown to the wolves possibly right away. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, O'Malley's ready to fight anybody, but I don't think it would be the smartest thing to do. But technically, his skill set is, is is up there with everybody else. I Kenny, think. and he has a great inner circle, right? Brandon Harris and Taquino Mendez, right? I mean, Augusto Mendez, how good is that, right? Teaching you jujitsu every goddamn day, just you, right? And Tim Welch, I mean, the guy's got a whole training camp built around him, was able to win this fight despite the fact that he had a rib injury and couldn't grapple at all. I'm very interested to see what happens. Cody, real quick, if you could throw the Bantamweight top 15 or even top 10 uh, in the side, that would be outstanding. Ken Flo, I think Cruz and O'Malley is a fight that they would try to put together. I think for Dominic Cruz, there are two parts of this, right? There's the strategy in terms of the matchup, and I think maybe there are better matchups for him than Sean O'Malley, if I'm being honest. And then there's the rankings part of this that you can always sort of lean into as well. If you are really trying to fight guys above you, Cruz is going to be number eight or higher. Um, But once we see this in the side, I'm going to have you guys do a little bit of matchmaking with me because I do think that you talk about Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar and Dominic Cruz, right? These three former... Uh, I know Frankie's not a former WEC guy, but former major champions, right? The Cruz Edgar fight, I think, is probably less interesting now because Cruz has this momentum and Frankie doesn't. Jose Aldo is too high in the rankings, in my opinion, to do the Aldo Cruz fight right now. And Aldo seems to have clear intentions as to what he wants to do. Um, but I mean, I know you're got you got the champion, and then you have another guy, Ray. Obviously, right. I mean, how good is 35 right now, right? Aljamain oh. Sterling, Piotr Jan, Dillashaw, Aldo. Sanhagen, Font, Marab, on and on it goes. Cruz. Man, that's Cruz. Listen to the first some people. Killers. Killers, yeah. I mean, look, I think Dom's thing now is that the only thing he's fighting is getting older because his style of fighting is definitely suited to a young guy's game, right? You got to be able to move for 25 minutes like that. And I think we saw a glimpse of like Pedro just catching him in between switches, like. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think like even O'Malley with that that extra five inches of reach is going to make a huge difference in that fight. He's not going to yep. have a reach advantage, yep. and you get caught jumping around. He might have a little. I think that's a problem fight for Dominic Cruz. Yeah, to be right. right. Well, no, I, I O'Malley. Right, and I don't think it's going to materialize. You know, and yeah, obviously, I mean, for Dom to position himself with one more win, even into the top three, uh, he yeah. knows it's going to be exceedingly difficult. But I, I think there's going to be some strategy involved. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cruz Sandhagen. You know, there's a lot of different yeah. options at 135 pounds. Um, Aljo, pretty tight-lipped with you as far as when he might get back in there, or what? No, no, he gave me. A, well, hold on, we have a special guest. Look at this guy. Who know? Who doesn't know Pumi? Oh, Pumi! Friday. Nice. Yeah, guys that's right there. Friday night. That's, Look at the energy the, on him. Hey, it's Kenny Florian and John. Oh, man, what's up, man? Come on, hey, let's go. 
He no. starstruck the guy. We're starstruck. That's <laughs> the best flyweight outside the UFC in the world right now. Oh, that's that. what I'm oh, talking there about. There you go. That's right. <laughs> the only guy that didn't get a Longo T-shirt right here behind me. Unbelievable. We'll take care of him. We'll take <laughs> Look care of him. Look at that. Look at your friends. All right. Hey, it's good to see you. I bet he would have been on time today if uh, if he was. Oh, oh. I, time. I couldn't get the <laughs> mic to work. No, this right. I was I was 10 minutes early today. I don't want to have it. But wait, so what funny. were we just talking about before that? We were talking about Aljamain Sterling. Oh, yeah. Well, no, he, gave me, uh, he gave me three dates, three possible dates, but I, I could say it looks like March. All right. But he's Very already we're already discussing his camp, and we're already, you know, on top yeah. of it. All right. Well, uh, do you have anything further for us, Ray? Uh, well, I'd be the uh, two guys fighting in CFFC, Pumi Nakuda, who you just saw, Charlie yep. Campbell. Two big fights for these guys, up-and-coming guys that I expect when? to see in the UFC Friday night in Atlantic He's City. He's fighting um, in four days. I would have yeah. just swapped you guys out and done a little uh, interview there. Wishing <laughs> the best for us. I mean, he's a, yeah, guy. absolutely. Good luck, Look, contagious energy on this guy. Outstanding. And, you know, the only guy that keeps up with Marab is this guy right here. Pumi Nakuda. Uh, and then Sunday, then I fly to Houston. Sunday we have Nas Saudi Cuff. I hope I'm saying the name right. But Nazim fighting. Uh, before I forget the promotion, damn. I don't know. That's but he's right. fighting Sunday night, so it's a busy weekend coming up. But I think so, all three all three guys should be in the UFC this year. So my grandfather was Howard Grayson, right? And so we were naming my son something with the letter H, right? I have my, my grandfather's old paperweight right here with the letter H, right? So oh. we were going to name my son Houston. And part of the reason we didn't is because guys like Yongo, Longo throw a fucking Y on the front of it and say Houston. <laughs> So we named him Hunter instead. Oh, well, look, oh, now he's a linguistics uh, major. Oh, <laughs> so people from New York, they just squeeze, think they can squeeze me. I'm manipulate sorry. language however they want. Houston, because we're from Houston. New York. Houston, you know? we got a problem. Well, you know what's next to Houston, right? What's that? Houston. Uh, <laughs> Wait, listen, one, one quick thing. You know what's funny with this card? I, I think this, I texted you, so I think this is one of the best cards Ever one through fifteen, I think. Card I mean, the even year. the Blanchfield uh, Maverick fight. What a it was great! great yeah. I mean, I'm going to say a plus to the matchmakers. Man, they matched up two young girls. I agree. That I mean, that was a phenomenal fight. And Blanchfield, man, she came out and shut down uh, Miranda um, better than I thought she was going to be able to. But you know, that's a girl that's been in the gym. I can't say I know, but she would spar with Mizuki. But all I could say is that every time I saw her, she would get better and better. They're really nice people. Her and a coach uh, yeah. just seem like they, they got they got a shot, man. I think that girl's going somewhere. I like where her head's at, 22 so years too. old. You know, another East Coast girl, so that's good. But, I mean, we could talk about, you know, uh, I'm glad your guy got back on track. So who even going to remember Hall, the Ryan yeah. Wolf fight? This oh, is crazy. And Bruno Silva, obviously Bruno yeah. Silva and Jordan Wright was great matchmaking and, and a big win for, for Bruno. And uh, obviously Andre Muniz, who we sort of talked about off the top of the show. Uh, yeah, it was a good night all around, man. We didn't even get to Kai Kara France. And I mean, there's a whole lot of be, talking points on both sides do? of that what fight. Do you, what do you do with that now? You know what I mean? I feel bad for uh, Garbrandt. Where does he yeah. go? Well, I know we have James Krause in the lobby, but really quickly on that, Ray. So. Yeah. 
Cody Garbrandt was 32 and one as an amateur boxer. He played middle linebacker in the great state of Ohio, high level high school football. And he did so at like 135 pounds. You know, there's a lot of MMA miles on his brain and on his body as well. And, you know, part of the, the discussion is on his ability or lack thereof to take a shot. Um, you know, but I don't know. I mean, take nothing away from Kai Kara France here for me. You know, yeah, like no, that guy, I didn't think he could, could be a world champion until I watched him Saturday night. Oh, no, no, no. He, he fought like Eve as the, that, that, those, he, he fights either one of those guys. It's a good scrap. You know, Figueredo, he could fight anybody in the top three. He looked, he looked great. And Cody, I, I, yeah, I didn't know the thing with the football. I think the football is even worse than the, uh, the amateur boxing, to be honest with you, that, that, I don't think those guys get out of there alive, man. That's a, right. that, that sport's vicious. How and, and he's a young guy. So they, they were already probably making modifications to everything, but, um, yeah, I wish him the best, man. It kind of, yeah. kind of stinks. Yeah. John, I, I also, yeah, no, no question about that history is going to affect you right yeah. in some way shape or form but that overhand right from from kai Kara france was a problem like Dude. even if you had a good chin i mean that was going to knock down a lot of people in that division I, I thought he uh landed some really sharp strikes heavy strikes there and uh i think it would have been trouble for anybody uh regardless of of history there hey ray we love you good luck on yeah. friday and uh we'll talk to you next monday we'll have details on the award show of which you're going to be a part this year. So oh, wow. some homework for you, yeah. Hey. All right. And guys, check out the chicken pound. Code Longo. This guy. Discount. Come on. <laughs> this would be your job. It's nationwide? Chicken pound nationwide? 100%. Of course they are. All right. Global. Promo code Longo. Global. The chicken pound. Global. Promo code Longo. Hey, thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. I appreciate your service to both of you. <laughs> the ever gracious Ray <laughs> Longo. Cody, yeah, you can just get him out of there. You can you can bounce Krause kid in oh, here anytime you want to bring you ready for the main event challenge. <laughs> James Krause now joins us. What's up, brother? Welcome home. Yo, yo, thank you. Just I think I'm still sweating. I literally just got off the the mats getting beat I up love by these savages. We like it. Uh, so real quick, we didn't get to the, the Ryan Hall, Derek Minner fight. Um, you know, I thought your guy was game and defeat. You know, I did see some frustration on you to my immediate right during the fight. Uh, you got anything for us on, on your guy's fight before we move on? Yeah. I mean, dude, uh, I think it's just, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's mostly about fight IQ, you know, just, just, uh, making good decisions in there. And there was just a couple spots, like, it's not like we got beat up or anything. We just made a couple bad decisions in there. And, uh, I will say this, Ryan Hall is just so good at making you grapple him. You know what I mean? Like, if that makes any sense at all, uh, he does a really good job of doing that little that, – uh, that backside leg grab. Yeah. And he rolls into a triangle, but when he does, he grabs your glove. He, I mean, and he – and I, dude, it is what it is, right? He'll grab the inside of your glove and force, force you to do that, force you to grapple him. He's really good at it, man, and it's, it's – uh, and you can't – once you get in his guard, you can't just stand up. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's super dangerous to do that. So, he does a really good job forcing his game on you, and we just couldn't capitalize on it. There, we just made a couple big mistakes that uh, – I, I should say this, a couple big mistakes that ended up being big mistakes – a couple little mistakes that ended up being big mistakes right. in there. You can't, you can't make against an elite-level guy like Ryan Hall. So, when you're coaching, by the time, like, Dustin and Charles are fighting, where are you? Are you still at the arena? Are you back at the hotel? Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're back at the hotel before the end of the next fight. Right. So, did you watch if Dustin you lose, and Charles? If you, if you win, there's, if you win, there's, like, 
if you win, there's like media and stuff like that. You'll it'll right. be like two or three fights. You know what I mean? But right. like, if you lose, you're back at the hotel before the next fight in. Right. So, did you watch the main event, Dustin and Charles? Oh yeah, absolutely. You got, you got any thoughts for that, real quick? Yeah, I mean, dude, both those guys are so incredible, and and uh, I, this has been talked about quite a, quite a bit. But whatever whatever uh, questions we had about Oliveira's uh, heart, especially. You know, I know Kenny and I have kind of talked about that, you know, like when it gets to the deep end, you know, I, I said this all week, when it gets to the deep end, there's nobody I'd rather be by my side than Dustin Poirier. And I still stand by that. But Charles Oliveira is on that list now too, where, where it was the opposite before, you know, he showed that he's got some tenacity and he wants to win just as much as the next guy. And he got hit a lot. And man, he just, I think he executed his plan perfectly because yeah. I don't think those takedowns would have been there early in the fight. And he just really got Dustin thinking, striking, striking, striking. And, man, his ability to jump on somebody. And I said this, like, it's not just the jiu-jitsu on the ground. On, on, like, standing on, on, his, on, on his back. Oh, he's a problem right. in jiu-jitsu on standing, too, you know. And uh, he's just so good. He's so dangerous everywhere, man. Very, very few guys on this planet Earth, and this is why I think he's so good, is does he have danger factor striking now, which where did that come from? You know what I mean? That's like out of left field. He's got danger in the wrestling. He's got danger when you wrestle. He's he is one of the most dangerous fighters, but he's also well-rounded. Like Ryan Hall is extremely dangerous, but his overall game really isn't complete. Charles Oliveira has it all, man. He's an elite-level striker, a very elite-level grappler. He wrestles well. Like yeah, he can yeah. sub you standing. Like he's got it all, man. He's going to be I really tough it. to beat. And I got to be honest with you, I wish we could see him in Khabib. I know, I know. A lot of people have been talking about that. I I share your sentiments. All right. We got some main card picks for this weekend. It's UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Dawkins. And let us get to Cub Swanson and Darren Elkins here. Featherweight fight that I believe opens the main card. Cub Swanson minus 200. Darren Elkins plus 170. All right, so busy weekend last week for Team Alpha Male. I think three guys and right back at it here. Elkins, the underdog against Swanson. Um, so Cub James was on a two-fight winning streak going into 2021. Fought just 63 seconds this year in a loss to Giga Chikadze. What do you think about Swanson here against Darren, the damage Elkins? Well, stylistically, I like the matchup. Uh, I like the matchup for Cub. You know, the game plan seems to be pretty simple. It's stop the takedown and and just keep the fight standing. I wouldn't even worry about knocking him out, just picking at him, you know. Uh, that's easier said than done against a guy like Darren Elkins, though. You know, he's he's proven over and over time and time again that the best guy doesn't always win. You know what I mean? So uh, I do, however, think Cub – it's it's gonna get this one done. I think he'll 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 pick his way and stuff his uh stuff the takedowns to to a pretty decisive decision here. That's been the uh that's been the blueprint on how to beat Darren Elkins lately. Uh and I do think Cub will get it done. Do I say it with like the utmost confidence? No. Uh I don't but I do th I do think he's gonna do enough to get it done. I really do. Darren Elkins is bleeding right now in training. He's bleeding, but he won't be bleeding like by the time he gets to Vegas. Elkins has won two in a row. Ken Flo, performance of the night finish of Derek Minner in July. How do you handicap this one for him against Cup? Why are we bringing up old shit? Hey, I mean, I'm just trying to set up the history, <laughs> my man, you know? Why are we bringing up old shit? The fucking chihuahuas out there, man, you know? God bless, bro. Listen, I, I I think Elkins uh, is 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 an intriguing underdog just based on his ability to freaking survive. And sometimes we've seen Cub get caught up in in some tough grappling exchanges. Um, 
But uh, I think Cub has enough to be able to ward off those attacks. I do think that Cub is a smart guy and is going to learn from a lot of Elkins' previous fights uh, and understand that he needs to pace himself extremely well. Uh, And just because you're beating him up now doesn't mean you won't be beaten up later because Elkins is one of the craziest survivors I've seen compete inside the octagon. Uh, Cub is the more skillful guy. That doesn't always equal wins, as James was talking about uh, earlier. But uh, I do think he has enough firepower to ward him off and and win a decision or, or potentially a TKO. I think we have a new award coming to uh, the AFPAs this year, like the Darren Elkins Comeback of the Year or something. So uh, more Ooh, on that like later. Um, all right. It's a pretty good main card overall this weekend. At lightweight, Mataj Gamrot, minus 180, taking on 12th-ranked Diego Fajeda, plus 155. So Fajeda has competed pretty well against some of the best guys in the world. James, I know, obviously, you know him pretty intimately, having prepared Grant Dawson for him and then having that fight go away. But he did go to a split against Benil Daryush, had big moments against Gregor Gillespie before that fight kind of spun around. Um, so what do you think about him here against the unranked Mataj Gamrot? Uh, Gamrot, about a 2-1 to favorite. Uh, Gamrot's tough, man. And, uh, I, I don't think he is, I think he's extremely underrated. Uh, he has a very complete game, good power, good wrestling, good cardio, good submissions. Uh, uh, I'm going to pick him to win, but man, I don't like the line on it. You know what I mean? Right, like, I think right. it's a much more, I think it's kind of a pick em, to be honest with you. Uh, I do think Gamrot's going to get it done. And I, I Fajeda's in the past has kind of showed me, a, he just seems to fade as the fight goes on. Um, I think the weight cut to 55 is tough on him. I don't think it's a cardio issue. I think it's a weight cut issue. Um, so I'm picking. I'm going to pick Gamrot to win by decision, but I th- I do think the line should be a little bit closer, a lot yeah. closer. Actually, I think it should be a pick or close to it. I feel like you can't talk about Diego Fajeda without bringing up the weight cut issues at this point in time. You know, he's had yeah. a lot of circumstances and fights go away late. And um, yep. the Trinaldo fight, I think, not even getting to the scale. Um, but Mataj Gamrock, Ken Flo, American top team trained out of Poland, 19-1, and one, never been finished. Submitted Jeremy Stevens with a Kimura back in July. What do you think about him here trying to take the ranking of Diego Fajeda? Yeah, really. I'm going to agree with James here. Not a whole lot to say on this. I think there's two differences here. Gamrot's wrestling, I think that's a factor. And I also think Diego's um, perhaps struggle with weight uh, in the past. I I think those are are the two factors that I'm probably looking at most. But don't count out Fajeda early in this fight. First seven minutes, first five minutes, watch out. He's always going to be a submission threat. Uh, But I like Gamrot here too. All right, next up at Bantamweight, Ricky Simone. A near three to one favorite. I'm surprised. Minus two eighty. Rafael Asuncao plus two twenty five. The perennial top tenor Asuncao has lost three in a row, and on the other side, Ricky Simone has won three in a row. I mean, you guys know Simone, all offense all the time. Uh, never lets you breathe for a minute. What do you think about him here, trying to move up against Asuncao, James? Ricky Simone has probably been the most profitable fighter of for me. Like I've won yeah. a lot of money off this dude, and he he has everything that I like and betting on somebody he's always in shape he's well-rounded he's very durable he wrestles well uh he's got a good submission game a, a decent amount of knockout power uh and he's smart and and, and he doesn't get off track like he's this, he, i don't want to say he's the same guy every time out because it seems like it's a disrespectful comment because obviously he gets better every time but like i know he's going to show up every time like he's never has any mental lapses he's consistent consistent the word i'm after that's if Consistent is the word that I would use yeah. to describe Ricky Simone. He's very consistent. And uh, we, I, I, 
for me, a sense out, should the line be a little closer? Probably, yeah. Uh, but what I see the tail here of this fight is I see a guy, Ricky Simone, doing this and a guy, Rafael Sensao, doing this. And that's no disrespect to Sensao. He's fought the who's who of, of the division, and he's been in that division for a very, 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 very long time. Uh, I think we were in the WBC together. Like, we're talking a long, long time. But all good things come to an end, right? And I yeah. just see one guy on his way up, and I see another guy, his best days are behind him. You know, I think I do think the line should be a little closer. I'm, I'm going to take uh, Simone by uh, by decision here, though. Yeah, I agree with everything out of your mouth, essentially. Kempfla, what do you think? Ricky Simone, minus 280, Rafael Asuncao, plus 225. Okay, well, you know, this this is interesting. I, I see value here in the underdog big time. I, I, I see this as an opportunity for me to pick up some points here uh, as well. I, I do agree with a lot of what James said. I think Ricky Simone is extremely consistent. You know what guy is going to show up every single time. He's as tough as nails. Um, but we also can't ignore what a Sun Sal has accomplished. You know, he's got to win over Rob Font. He's got to win over Marlon Moraes. He's got to win over Aljamain Sterling. Um, his last three fights haven't gone well, but let's look at who he fought. Cody Garbrandt, Corey Sanhagen, Marlon Moraes. Um, so, you know, no joke there. So um, I, I think a Sun Sal, um, I'm not sure he's fighting with that same kind of um, – goal of, hey, this is for me to elevate myself and kind of get a shot at the belt, which is a dangerous place to be. So that concerns me for sure. But I still think a Sun Sal's got some great skills. I still think he can get it done. Uh, I'll, I'll take a Sun Sal here uh, over a very tough Ricky Simone. And by the way, Ken Flo has been hot. He was 5-1 and one going into the Nunez fight last weekend, right? Of course, Nunez and Poirier ripped up a lot of tickets for a lot of people. But uh, all right, at strawweight, Amanda Lemos minus 410. If that's not a prohibitive number, I don't know what is. Angela Hill plus 310. Lemos, though, is outstanding. I love watching her fight. She's won four in a row. A lot of people think she's a future champion. And Angela Hill is taking this on relatively short notice, about a month replacing Nina Nunez. And Hill has dropped three of four overall. Uh, Jimmy Krause, kid, what do you have for us on this one at 115 pounds? Uh, Lemos is probably going to win, but I'll take Angela Hill here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride with the dog. Uh, I don't, I, I, I mean, I'm not an Angela Hill fan at all, like at all. But I do think she's being disrespected. <laughs> I yeah. do think she's being disrespected on the lines a ton here. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. man, there's a story behind why I don't like her, but like. I, I think she's being disrespected on the lines. I don't think her skill is – I don't think her skill matches what the what the line is saying. I think she's got a good shot of winning this fight. I really do. Like, she's well-rounded. She comes in shape. Uh, good, good striker. Like, I, I don't see – I don't see the four to one. I really don't. I, I, right. I don't. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use this as a – try to catch up with Kenny here. Like, I know he's been whooping my ass lately. So, uh, I'm going to rock with uh, Hill here. Ken Flo, Angela Hill's last fight against Tisha Torres in August. She got Tisha's best, but this is a big spot for her to avoid a fourth loss in her last five. So her second pro fight was in the UFC. This is obviously a second UFC stint. Angela Hill's got 18 UFC fights coming in. She has a ton of experience, and she's been working extremely hard on her grappling, uh, you know, particularly with with our guy Justin Flores and all that stuff. So, you know, that's a concern for me. You know, she can go out there and win rounds and and steal this fighting and get the upset here. But man, I'm not sure I've been more excited after a fight than Amanda uh, Lemos, who is someone I was kind of sleeping on a little bit. Her knockout over uh, Ruiz in her last fight was just 
ridiculous. You don't see someone move backwards and strike like that very often. It got me excited. Her timing, her technique, she's a beast. I, I, I like her here. Dude, she if again, I don't know if it was like one of these like just happened to put it all together just that night, and that's all we're going to see from her. Maybe that's the case. I'm not so sure. You, you don't see that high level of striking very often. Uh, and uh, I, I think Lemos uh, takes it here. She is a finisher. And obviously, uh, she has gotten the attention of the bookmakers at DraftKings Sportsbook because she's minus 410 against Angela Hill. All right. Co-main event. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson minus 255. Bilal Muhammad plus 205. So Bilal, in his last 11 walks to the octagon, has been beaten by one man. You know? I think that's worth pointing out. 11 walks, one loss. That was Jeff Neal. Uh, Wonder Boy, ton of championship experience, obviously. The two title fights against Tyron Woodley. Uh, he's fought everybody but Kamaru, essentially. Um, but he is coming off a July loss to Gilbert Dorino Burns. Some similarities in that matchup, I think, in this one. Um, what do you think about this co-main event, James, and ultimately which way are you go? It's hard to pick against uh, Wonderboy against any other striker. You know what I mean? Like he's just right. he. This is my only complaint with him. My only complaint with my complaint with him is sometimes when he gets in there with other really good strikers, his volume just gets like disgustingly low. Like if you if if I asked you like who won the fight between him and Darren Till, what would you say? I don't know. I was too close to call for me. I mean, I remember being really conflicted watching it live. Yeah, like. You can't judge a fight, but when no punches are thrown, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like right, it's really right. difficult. Like it's it's really like I can't even. I, I honestly I don't, I don't know who won. Like because right. it was I just remember being so frustrated watching watching that. And he's been in a couple of those. You know what I mean? Like he's been in a couple of those. Uh, however, that's typically done with guys that have a really high danger factor. Woodley, uh, Till they hit really hard. Bilal isn't a a big puncher. He's a volume right. guy. I really like Bilal. I think he's incredible, and uh, I think he. I think you. We're gonna see him wrestle a little bit here, and I, I, that does intrigue me a little bit. But just man, it's really difficult when I see two primary strikers match up. One being Stephen Thompson. It's really hard for me to pick against him. Sure. Uh, I'm gonna go him. I, th- I think he'll win by decision here. Bilal is extremely durable, and I think Bilal will have some moments. And it wouldn't shock me if he won either. You know. What I mean? Yeah. But uh, it's just really hard for me to bet against Wonderboy against another striker. Kenny Gilbert Burns laid out a pl- pretty good blueprint, I think, for beating Wonderboy in the way you need to do it over 15 minutes. But he obviously has a skill set on the ground that that not a lot of people possess. I do think Muhammad's going to have to wrestle here. Um, it is a 25 foot octagon compared to a 30 footer, which I think makes what Gilbert Burns was able. That to makes do a big difference too. That is a you big know, difference. I think it's a factor, Kenny. What do you think about the Coleman? Yeah, I'm thinking on very similar terms here with you guys. Um, Listen, I think Bilal uh, could go out there and potentially do exactly what Gilbert Burns did. And also, you know, as good as as Wonderboy is, you know, that you can't question, but he's been fighting a long time. And if you go back to, you know, karate, his karate days, his kickboxing days, um, you know, how much does he want it at this stage of the game? I, I don't know. And that will wane over time for a lot of guys who have been in the game for a long time. Um, but, uh, and and for Bilal, you know he's hungry. You know he's coming to fight. You know he's training hard. 
uh, and he's had a lot of great experience leading up to this fight. I think the way that he pressures, um, I, I think the fact that he throws a lot more volume and can also get it done on the wrestling and grappling side of things. Um, and I, I think it's an intriguing underdog bet, but Wonder Boy is so damn good, man. He still is very good. And a lot of times I feel like he is also most dangerous when you kind of count him out a little bit. Yes. And if he's had a dud of a dud of a performance, he comes back and looks like a superstar again. So for me, that that's why it's tough for me to bet against Wonder Boy here. But uh, Bilal's a problem, man. And, and again, you know what you're going to get with Bilal every single time out. He comes to fight. I think it's going to be a close fight, but I like Wonder Boy here. All right, and James, before we get you out of here, main event, Chris Dawkins minus 140, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis, plus 120. Dawkins 4-0 in the UFC thus far, three straight bonuses for him. Don't have to tell you guys what the Black Beast has accomplished in the UFC. Most decorated heavyweight knockout artist in UFC history. Did come up short in a bid for interim gold against the well-moving Cyril Ghosn in August. Chris Dawkins moves pretty well as well. James Krause, who do you have in the main event? Who was Dawkins' last fight? Shamil Abdurahimov. This is a really tough one for me. Mm. This is a really tough one for me. Uh, I, for whatever reason, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is kind of like uh, this is kind of like the Poirier Oliveira fight for me. This depends on what day you ask me. Uh, yeah, I, I initially wanted to lean Lewis, but I I feel like Dawkins is I feel like at, at heavyweight he's extremely agile, moves a lot, and 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 uh, can be difficult to hit at times. And what I don't like about Derek Lewis is his volume is low. Uh, gosh, dang, man. He just needs one. Uh, I'm going to go Derek Lewis. I don't know why. My brain is telling me to pick Dawkins, yeah, but, right. but for whatever reason, I keep leaning Lewis. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, That's a tough it's one. It's a really tough that. one. It's weird to see a plus number next to Derek Lewis's name against Chris Dawkins right now. And I love the Dawkins brothers, right? We featured him on the podcast yeah. like – Absolutely high on those boys, but to me, um, I was flipped on this. Again, I don't look at these because I want to try to be predictive before I look, and I was yeah. I was wrong. I had this one backwards. Um, hey, before we let you go, I'm going to get Kemflo's main event picking a little bit. Thursday night on UFC Fight Pass, tell the masses what you got going on and bring home the goddamn W, Captain Krause. Man, <laughs> yeah, so we're doing uh, – it's a Fight Pass Invitational. It's a grappling thing, so it's basically – for the top organizations and fight pass, uh, my show, FAC, LFA, CFFC, and Fury have put together a, a team of four individuals. There's uh, a team captain that's in currently signed with the UFC, and then there's three uh, other people that have fought for that organization. And we are at an extreme disadvantage because we've only been a promotion for like a year or two. So, <laughs> and you got LFA that's been around for 15 years. They right, could, you know, right. they could have put together everybody. Uh, right. But man, I, I will say this. I seen the the roster release and I'm like, holy fuck! Like <laughs> this is fucking ridiculous. Like this is insane. I was supposed to do a super match against one person. Now I, I they put out the best damn. I mean, these, the, if you guys look up the roster, it's really good. Like everybody in it is extremely. Like we're not talking about good MMA fighters. We're talking about professional grapplers that have fought like one time. You know what I mean? Like, like Rafael Lovato is on the LFA, oh, wow. LFA team. Oh, wow. Davey Ramos is on that team. Jeez. And I'm like, what the fuck? What, oh, what is this shit? <laughs> what is this shit? And they put like yeah, 100 all, fighters know, in the UFC too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, anyway, it's uh, the, the 
the roster that they put together is is a very very high level uh, team on on all of them. So it's really exciting. I'm I'm excited to to grapple again. I did the quintet one last time. Right. That was a lot of fun for me. Uh, I, I you know I, I feel you like did I'm great, kind of by the way. From, thank you. I feel like I'm kind of been known yeah, for my man. striking in the UFC, but I'm a better grappler than I am a striker probably. So uh, that was when yeah, you submitted King Mo the wall, right? Yeah. Let's yeah. go, baby. Let's go. <laughs> and you let us know what, what we need to pay to get our logo on your shorts next time, too. We'll take care of that. Let's go. I don't know if – I don't know if they'll – I think we have to wear a uniform. But if not, it's done. Like, let's go. All right. All right. Hey, <laughs> we love you, buddy. Thank you for the time. And uh, are you chance. traveling this weekend or not? No, no, I won't be there. I'm just doing uh, – I leave tomorrow for the, for the Invitational on Thursday, and then I'm back home. All right, my man. Appreciate your time, buddy. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Thanks, guys. There he is, James Krause, with us here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. All right, Cam Flo, Dawkins and Lewis, talk to me. Who do you got in the main event? Boy, uh, you know, Derek Lewis has the ability to knock out anyone in the world. Uh, he is always dangerous. All it takes is one shot. Doesn't even need to hit, hit you clean. Um, but I do think that Chris Dawkins, uh has the right experience to this this point to be fighting someone like Derek Lewis. I think he's yeah. seen enough Derek Lewis fights to know what he's getting into. He's a smart guy. He's got some skills on the grappling side as well. I I, I imagine that's probably where he's going to try to take this fight. Uh, but you got to watch out for Dawkins and striking as well. He could surprise Derek Lewis there. Uh, I like Chris uh, to, to win this fight. I, I, I'm going to go with, uh, let's go with second round TKO. Second round TKO for Chris Dawkins, the pick for Ken Flo. All right, <clears throat> we got to get on out of here. I'll just say in closing, in terms of the Shevchenko stuff, like I don't know if she desires to be the singular greatest of all time. You know, she may just want to keep putting rubies on that belt and uh, you know go down as one of the greatest of all time. But um, I just I, I was curious what Valentina was thinking as everything played out the way it did uh, on Saturday night. We got to see Kayla Harrison's reaction in real time. I'm very curious to hear from Valentina uh, Shevchenko. All right, AnnaFlorianPodcast.com for all of your merchandise needs for the holidays. I I think we have a code FAM15 if you want to get some merchandise out there for your uh, loved ones. You can go to millions.co to get one more sleep merchandise as well. The code over there, I think, is ANIK, A-N-I-K. Um, don't forget Kenny's YouTube channel as well. And we are back with you next week. We'll re recap UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Dawkins. Also details on our internship sweepstakes for 2022 and the Anakin Florian Podcast Awards, which are coming up the first week of January. Thanks to Longo. Thanks to Krauss and our executive producer, Cody Merrow. Without him, none of this would be possible for Ken Flom, John, Anik. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. We will talk to you next Monday. Until then, yo fucking later.